if there's a situation where lives, civilian lives, are in immediate, imminent danger, then I am all for taking them out any means necessary. Yeah. If it's anything less than that, and I'm sure there's exceptions that I'm not thinking about, but if anything less than that, uh, a warrant, a traffic stop, misdemeanor, drugs, whatever the situation is, I'm on the side of everybody surviving the encounter. Yeah, That's my priority. I'm not like, oh, he's right because he's a civilian or they're wrong because they're a police. I'm on the side of everybody surviving and getting home to their families. Last year about this time, driving on vacation, road trip, going to the Pacific Northwest with my wife, my newborn son, uh, he was about three, four months old at the time. Northbound on the I-5, baby's crying. You know, we had been driving for several hours and um, looking for a place, you know, a parking lot, a restaurant, a convenient location where I can safely pull over, um, let my wife take my son out of the car seat, feed him, comfort him. So. It was stressful, stressful moment in the vehicle. Uh, rented SUV, unfamiliar territory. And I come across uh, a town and the speed limit dropped drastically, like from, you know, 70 or 75 down to 45. And I missed it in the commotion. Whoop, whoop. Uh, flashing lights, motorcycle cop gets behind me and I get pulled over. Now, mind you, I've been pulled over many, many times in my life. This is the first time being pulled over as a father, okay? And as a black man in America, I don't know what goes on through everybody's mind when they get pulled over, but I'm thinking safety first, survive the encounter. Um, you know, how can I make this, what can I do in my control to make sure that this thing goes smoothly. And there's a lot of calculations, there's a lot of heightened awareness on my part, being a black, driving while black, if you will. And I think there's a lot of perception from uh, non-black motorists that this is all in our head, you know. I, I don't know, all I can tell you is my experience. So my, my heartbeat is elevated, my breathing is shallow, I, I come to a stop, I'm in an unfamiliar place, you know, am, am I allowed to pull over on this park? Should I go a little bit further to get into a parking lot or where there's a bigger shoulder? Um, you know, I'm thinking about all these things, what do, what do I look like to the officer? Can he see my skin color? So he approaches, he rolls down the window, I got my hands on 10 and 2 on the steering wheel, um, I'm very polite, I'm very respectful, I look him in the eye, you know, good afternoon officer, how are you today? You know, and he's, he was very nice, it was a, a Caucasian gentleman, um, maybe late 40s, early 50s, you know, he, uh, he addressed my speed, my excessive speed, um, asked for my license and registration, um, bottom line is the encounter was smooth, um, 
and I think that I had a part to play in that. And I do take responsibility for my own safety in those moments, but there's still the fear of the unknown. You know, I don't just go in my pocket and grab my wallet and present my license. With my hands tightly gripping the steering wheel, I look at the officer and I say, um, sir, I'm going to reach into my left hip pocket to retrieve my wallet, which contains my identification. Is that okay? And I wait for his response. I slowly do that. I pull it out. All everything in his view. I'm I'm overacting. I'm over simplifying my movements and making it clear of my intentions of what I'm doing. And I feel that that is necessary. From all the the traffic stops that we've heard that go wrong, of course there's a thousands that go right. But you think about the ones that go wrong. And in the episode today, we, we mentioned the Philando Castile uh, killing, which started off as a routine traffic stop and ended with his death. Something that really, really bothers me when having these discussions with people of different ideologies, they have many excuses, justifications, and reasons why it's not the officer's fault. And a phrase that I hear a lot is, just follow the law and you'll be fine. Why does that bother me so much? Because in cases like this, the Philando Castile killing, we've all seen the video now. The dash cam was released after the officer was acquitted. But we saw that he did follow the law and he still got killed. So while I do believe that for non-black, I'll say uh, light-skinned or white motorists, they can be reasonably assured that if they follow the law, that they will be safe and that their freedom or their life will not be taken from them. Even, even if they don't follow the law, one can make an argument that white folk can do whatever they want and still have the reasonable assurance of safety. Because we've seen the footage on Facebook, brandishing firearms, reaching for weapons, and they still manage to de-escalate and resolve the encounter without using any excessive, deadly or uh, force against these individuals. But there seems to be a most certainly a double standard when it comes to people of color interacting with the law. So white folks can do whatever they want and be kept safe and black people have to follow the law and then hope that they can be, that their safety is going to be taken in consideration. I'm reasonably assured that for, for me, how I present myself, how I carry myself, and how I communicate, that nothing bad would ever happen to me, but that's a hope. Like I still, my life is still in their hands in that moment, and I don't know what biases or prejudice they have. All I see is a, a badge and a gun, and hopefully we can come to a human understanding and we can respect each other as men, as humans, and the encounter will go smoothly and we can both go on with our day. I was very happy and relieved to get out of there with just a ticket. You know, it did ruin my day. My blood pressure was high. My anxiety was high for the remainder of that day. And, you know, you feel, you feel a certain way. You know, you feel defeated. You feel 
uh, threatened or violated in a way that other people may not be able to relate to, but that's part of my experience. Um, today's episode is about police brutality, specifically the recent police killings. Um, there was a 17-year-old boy that was killed by the police in the Antelope Valley. Last week we touched on that, the Philando Castile case, um, and just the overall public perception of these instances, and we talk about some solutions. My good friend Nathan Martell joins me. He actually interviewed me. I was a guest on the Nathan Martell is Stupid podcast, and we were both uh, publishing it on our platforms. Um, If you don't know Nathan, he's a right-wing conservative, uh, self-proclaimed, self-admitted, and he calls me a moderate, and he said that that's a a very rare breed of person who's actually a moderate, a political moderate, a true moderate. Um, He's in the political space. He talks about a lot of controversial topics. Uh, He has a great show. Check it out. Um, They had a recent episode where they talked about um, the radical Islamic terrorist bombings. And I thought to myself, I said, there's a, a large group of people that you can identify and a small portion of them are doing horrible things they're killing people yet there's a huge movement or a a huge narrative that says we cannot treat them as a monolith we cannot condemn the whole group for the actions of a few bad apples and that is a similar narrative to how black people specifically poor people, disenfranchised people view their encounters with the police most police are great awesome human beings hardworking public servants there are a few bad apples that let their fear and their biases overcome their duties and they end up killing people and the reasons can be debated all day but the fact of the matter is lives are lost did I just compare our police to terrorists yes I did In my life, in my mind, in my opinion, the chances of me being killed by a radical Islamic terrorist are much, much lower than a policeman mistaking my wallet for a gun or my cell phone for a gun or my skin color as threatening and using it as justification to cause me harm. But at the end of the day, I want everybody to get home safe. I want everybody to think before they speak to consider both sides before making, for forming an opinion or making a judgment. And I want you to join the conversation. Talk to people that feel differently than you. See what's on their mind and consider them with your mind being open because that's how we're going to come together as a community, as a race of people, as a human race of people and not go backwards. Alright? Peace and love. Enjoy the episode. I'm out. No, I just posted on Facebook that I left the base about 15 minutes ago. And um, I was on I-20 and I got pulled over by a police officer. And I couldn't understand why, because I knew I wasn't speeding. And so I pull over to the side 
And I mean, I really wasn't speeding. There were people flying past me. I had to have been doing like 60, 60 to 65. And I pull over, he, I pull over immediately and he pulls up behind me and then he, mo he gets out the car and he motions for me to get out of the car. And I looked and I said, get out of the car? I kind of mouthed the words and he said, yes, get out of the car. So I got out and he, the whole time I'm thinking, do I get out of the car? Do I not get out of the car? So I get out and I go to the back of the car and he's talking to me and he said, I just wanted to check on you because you were driving under the speed limit. And I kind of laughed and I said, I was going too slow. And he said, no, 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 it's just that if drivers are really tired or if they're inebriated, they tend to drive slower. And I said, I just left the base 15 minutes ago and I explained the situation. My husband just retired. We're heading home. You know, they're already there. I'm leaving now. And, you know, 22 years in the Air Force, blah, blah, blah. I gave him the whole backstory. And he said, okay, that's great. And, you know, thank you for your service. And he said, I was just checking on you. And as he said that, I just broke down crying and I told him, I said, I was so scared. And I knew he felt awful that I was that scared, but I was so scared. And I never thought that in that situation I would feel fearful, but I legitimately felt horrified. How awful to be stopped by the police and feel that scared. He just kept saying, please don't cry. Please don't cry. I just really was just checking on you and I just wanted you to be safe. And I just, I just noticed you were driving a little slow and I was just checking to make sure you weren't tired. And he just gave me a hug and told me to be safe and take care. And I just got in the car. I literally had to pull over at the very next exit and just get myself together because it blew my mind of how frightened I was that a police officer stopped me I just had to share that with you all because we see the videos and we see things on the news and we're so far removed from it but I just kept thinking oh my god why is this person asking me to get out the car but it's twofold because yes the 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 nature of the situation in our country right now made me feel horrified that I got stopped and asked to get out of the car but the positive spin is that he really was just a nice officer checking to see if I was okay but the sad piece is that I shouldn't have had to feel this scared roll with this all right guys so this is uh nathan martell and dougie fresh in the fresh in the flesh now if you're <laughs> just if you're just watching it right now so uh we have uh we're talking about something super fun today is this super fun no not super fun not super fun at all we're doing a swap cast. So I have a podcast, Morgan Freelance Podcast. Yeah. You have a podcast, Nathan Martell is Stupid. Yep. And we're so, doing a collaborative effort here. Now, just in case you weren't aware, me and Doug have done podcasts before. Actually, Doug was the person that got me into podcasting. Gateway drug. I know. He's like, hey, I need someone who says really stupid and incoherent things without thinking properly. Who can possibly do that and make a ruckus? Oh, Nathan. That's perfect. 
and here I am today doing it. Yeah. You took it, it around with I it. I want to do it. Yeah. Which with, is horrible. You got your flag on there. Yeah, but the, here's the thing. It's a lot of things. You got uh, your 45. You want to know what the... No, by the way, it's not a Trump shirt. <laughs> it is a 1945 shirt. So I just got to clear that up now. Anyways, so today we're going to have a little fun talk. And I think this... We had to do this between you and me. Yeah. Yeah. So... What, what brought this on? Well, I mean, what brought this on, obviously, is it's a hot topic right now. I feel like I should just leave this up for now for a little bit, but that's okay. We'll just keep it up for now. So it's, it's the hottest topic going on right now, police killings in general. But before I wanted to get into that, I want to go a little background for the people that don't know me and the people that know you. So um, I am a crazy right-wing extremist. He's not very crazy, but he is right-wing. I'm an insane right-wing extremist. Yeah. I say very, very, very dumb things. He's a lot more tame than he's making himself out to be. But and I don't apologize for any of it. Yeah, you are conservative. So I'm extremely conservative, like anarchist conservative. Who would you compare yourself to in the, in the media space? Ooh. Who has the closest views to you? Rand Paul. Rand Paul? Rand Paul. What about like a, a news personality? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, to be honest, I don't know. Okay. The but that's who you identify with, Rand Paul. And he's a conservative libertarian, right? Yeah, okay. he, he's, he's currently heavily, uh, thumbs up for the libertarian. Not a crowd. fan of D Trump. He is not right, right now. So, uh, I'm okay. a, I'm a Rand Paul supporter. Okay. And where do you lie on the whole political spectrum? Uh, I've been called an independent, I've been called a moderate. Uh, Chris Rock said it best. I got some stuff that I'm liberal about. I got some stuff that I'm conservative about. Now, I'm going to tell you people, for the people that are tuning in from my neck of the woods, I've known Doug a long time. So I've known Doug... How long have we known each other, Doug? 30 years. Dude, that's creepy to think about. No, but we seriously have. So we went to like middle school together. Elementary. Yeah. I taught Doug how to party. <laughs> Your friends taught me how to party. You're a little That's a good point. I was a nice weirdo. kid, but my, I, I hung out with a lot of terrible people. So anyway, well, they're good people that did terrible things. And on, this, but I, you know, I always said Doug is what I would consider a true moderate. You are, you're what I would say a true moderate people. Everybody pretends to be moderate because they don't want to sound like an extremist. See, I embrace the extremist. Like I'm an extremist. I wear it as a badge of honor. See, but you are, but everybody else says, oh, I'm a moderate, but they're not. They just, right. they pretend to be a moderate, but you, I would consider a to be a true moderate. It sounds like middle of the road. It sounds kind of... Yeah, but you have a very... You just... Every time I've met you, you go... You, you'll go one way. I, I actually never know where you're going to fall on an issue. Well, you know where I feel about this. Yeah, but this is... And this is why it's perfect for Doug to talk about this one with me. So anyways, let's talk about... Before we get into the whole... What we're going to talk about, this is a very sensitive topic. So we, we laid out kind of how we want to go with this in general, but really what we're going to be talking about today is the overarching thing about what's going on in police perceived police brutality. And I use the word perceived because some people think it's not police brutality and then some people do. Now I can already see Doug's look on his face right there, but look, all I'm saying is some people think differently than us. That's true. So that's so I'm just going to be, that's all I'm laying down for right now. And then we're going to talk about uh, the most recent case that was, uh, and I don't want to say the name because Philando I Orlando Castillo. There you go, because I was afraid I was going to mess it up and look stupid. So his thank his you. killer was acquitted uh, very recently. Yes, yeah, so if you're well. not familiar with that, there was a video of him basically being 
killed live on camera. Yep. I don't. I don't. I mean, whether you're a defendant of the cop or whatever, it, that's what happened. His girlfriend like, did a Facebook live video of the whole him dying, and the police not giving any help. You know, I mean, that was it was a big deal at the time because it was all on Facebook Live. Yeah, know? it was it was it was definitely a crazy thing to say. Now, so what I want to start out with real quick is, I can I take this down now, people? Yeah, Do we put get it down. what's going on? Because I don't feel like holding this anymore. Put it down. Anyways, so let's start with some basic things. It's in our face enough. So whenever you're discussing anything with race in general, it's it's a hot topic. So we need to at least like kind of set some ground rules about how we're going to go about this. And what I want to do is I want to at least I don't, I hate the term. I'm not going to extend an olive branch or something. That sounds freaking weird. I want to lay down some basic truths that people need to understand. Stipulations, yeah. if you will. Yeah. And here's one right now. And this is one that, you know, it's fun that it's going to piss. See, I, see, one of my big things is I like pissing everybody off. I don't even care if it's my own people. I like to piss off. So let's, let's lay down an easy one, which I think is easy. Some people will refuse to admit it, that not all people are treated equally. Right. So if, if you believe if you believe that African Americans get treated by cops the same as white people, I think honestly you're just burying your head in the sand. I Living honestly under do. A rock. I think you're just kind of just being naive. Now burying here's the your thing. head in the sand. Now here's the thing is in fo in in defense of the white folk out there, am I even allowed to say the white folk? I don't you're know. Part white. I don't know what's racist and what's not racist anymore. Just think before you speak. That's <laughs> no, all we ask. No thanks. A lot of people I've noticed, they go on defense about this because they think that they're actually being accused of something. The, they think because the cops might be white that that also includes them that they're somehow at fault with this. When that's not the reality. That's well, not the I reality. mean, if, if you see something, say something. And you can be, if you're silent on matters this egregious, you are complicit to some degree. Yeah. So I would say in some cases the guilt is warranted. But you're right. Not every white person is racist. Not every policeman is racist. It, so that's that's. It's also like the same topic when you talk about slavery. It's like they don't want to. It's like certain people don't want to acknowledge it because they feel like they're being accused of stuff. Like, right. look, r slavery happened. You didn't have anything to do with it. We can still talk about it. It's just you're not at fault just because this happened because right. this person happens to be the same skin color of you. Well, it's it's, it's like uh, homophobia. Those that protest are likely homosexual themselves. Doug just made some accusations to some of you people out there. I'm just calling it like I see it. <laughs> so anyways, so you're, so you're admitting that there is inequality. Yeah, of course there's inequality. Look, okay. and that's a good starting place. But, and, and let's, let's be realistic about this. Let's be realistic. When a hot chick gets pulled over and by a cop, she's able to use her looks to get off. Okay, she, right? she can get yeah, preferential she can, treatment. She can get preferential Assuming treatment. Assuming the cop is, is straight and he's in a good mood <laughs> but and it she's happens. truly attractive. Look, look this happens. Does it anybody happens. disagree that that doesn't happen? No, of course not. I, I know women that have shook, shook their, what their mama gave them to get them out of tickets, sure. of course. Now, and I'll give you a personal experience. You know, I used to roll around and I make sure that my uh, military ID was right next to my driver's license because they used to let, cops used to let me off all the time yeah. because a lot of them are ex-military are reservist so they would give me preferential treatment sure and that's a bias that's a bias so we we're, we can admit a couple things but for some reason everybody has problem admitting the differences between skin color and i think a lot of it has to do with a lot of the i use quote because there's not really much white community like me i'm a mutt these days 
I'm not I'm not a white person in general, I guess. I don't know even know what that means anymore. But a lot of people think that they are being accused of something at the same right. time. And I think that's an important thing that you can understand that there's issues and you can see inequality you and don't you have can to be see, defensive about and it. And you, you don't have to be a dense defensive because nobody's nobody's accusing you of anything. And and you know, a, a beautiful woman getting out of a, a speeding ticket or you getting a warning because you've got, you know, military service in your background these are these are nice little perks but we're i think what we're here to talk about is people specifically recently people of color losing their life at the hand of the police yeah in this specific case philando castillo did i get it correctly Castillo. castillo okay see that's what i didn't want to say because i'm terrible at space so he there's a live video of him getting shot and the, the dash cam footage came out after he was acquitted but what everyone has seen thus far up until a few days ago was the Facebook live video that his girlfriend took after he got shot and, and bled out. And it's brutal. It's brutal. If you watch it, there's not really any justification for this. Meaning like I haven't actually heard anybody truly defend the cop. I actually haven't. I know there's going to be some people out there. I've never had it. I haven't heard anybody yet say that what he did though in that moment was correct judgment and protocol. Well, who's going to publicly say that? But what you are hearing people say is that it was simply an unfortunate accident. Well, I mean, if he would have just followed the law, then it wouldn't have happened, right, Doug? See, <laughs> I just said Doug's trigger trigger phrase right there. That's my trigger. <laughs> just follow the law and you'll be fine. This is, a, this is a perfect example of somebody following the law and it did not work out for them. Identified himself, you know, it said that he had a weapon, that he was licensed, and look what happened. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, he yeah. followed. What should he have done differently? He in that scenario, besides don't be black, he should have followed the the, the law. But he did. Uh, I, I, then I don't have anything else, man. Okay. But that was my go-to. Just follow the law was my don't, go-to. Don't answer. say that. Don't say that. <laughs> you can't no. touch my hair. Look, you can't say the n-word, and don't say just follow the law and you'll be fine. I can't even it's say the n-word when I'm listening to rap songs. Apparently not. Okay, good. But it doesn't matter. I listen to death metal anyway. I don't listen to hip hop anyway. So, <laughs> so try to have fun, even though it's a serious time. So if you, if you watch this video, if you have any training, if you understand anything, you look at minimal, the average person can at least say he had terrible judgment at minimal. And I'm, I haven't heard anybody personally say it, but if you can at least admit that, then we have a serious, they have a, we, we have a serious problem with certain people right. because I can at least look at this video and I go, holy crap, something is wrong. Something, he jumped the gun big time. Like, and I didn't even mean, that's a pun. I didn't even mean to say jump the gun, but look at that. It worked out. So, but what we really are having an issue with, what I've noticed is People are really obviously upset. They saw something. They saw a video how this all went down. And then they thought, how could he not be convicted after right. all this? And that's where I want to ask you about it. So like I said, Doug, Doug doesn't speak for anybody as I don't speak for everybody. Either. Just ourselves. No, we can only speak for ourselves. But obviously, I can't give you a perspective the way Doug can because he's never dealt with this. Now, you personally have dealt with um, discrimination. Personal description. Can Certainly. you give me some examples? I want to hear some of with yours. the police or just with civilians. Uh, do you have both? Oh yeah. Okay. So give, of just give me like give me a, give me a real like a cop scenario and then like a civilian scenario. Well, the first time that I was called the N word was uh, was in Camarillo. I was just minding my business. Wait, and if, if, if you're yard. not familiar with Camarillo, is just like a little tiny Ventura County. 
Uh, it's a very conservative, but it's not even like a retirement town. Yeah, it's very low it's profile. One percent black. It's very very white. Um, so this was the, the Wait, very. Wait. So do you 90s. get to say you're part of the one percent? That's clever. Yeah, Ventura County. I'm freaking hilarious. percent. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was I was called the N word uh, multiple times, but I remember the first time, and uh, these two Caucasian gentlemen in a pickup truck riding by, and it was like, hey. Nigger, get out of here. You know, you're not welcome here. That type of thing. Um, that happened a handful of times in, in Camarillo. Um, How old were you? I was a early teenager, like 13, 14, something like that. And what was your thought process when that happened? It was just kind of like shocked and numb, like, and then kind of embarrassed and shameful yeah. like that that attention was brought to me and that I was made to feel a certain way, you know, because you don't want to you don't want that to be on the forefront of your mind. Yeah, and I mean, um, a lot of people just don't think this happens. Oh, uh, definitely, now, it definitely happens. Now here's now here's the thing: is I travel a lot to the Midwest and the South. Yeah, you see it pretty often down there. Sure, sure. You don't see it as much in Southern California. Yeah, it's typically more subtle out here. So a um, lot of people out here like don't like. I've noticed there's a disconnect because they honestly you don't see it here as much as you see it everywhere else. Right. I would at least say that. Right. But it's but still I mean, you you can you know parents teach this stuff to their kids. But anyway, so yeah, I've, I've had several. Uh, what I what I would call uh, minor just verbal assaults, you know, from people, uh, racially insensitive slurs and whatnot. Um, Police-wise, um, I've been profiled, pulled over. Uh, they call it jammed up. I guess that's a, a term of art. What, what that does that mean? Jammed up. Like when they, you know, you see young people like partying or doing something and you come just kind of mess with them and give them a hard time. Yeah, and they used to break up my parties, man. Stuff like that. So when I lived in Ventura County uh, up until the age of, you know, birth until 18, uh, once I started driving, it would happen every few months. Every couple months I would get pulled over. Uh, you match a description, something, um, an incident that happened in the area, your taillight is out, your tags, whatever it was, your, the tint of your window. And oftentimes there literally was nothing wrong. Um, the example that I, that I point to you often is I was in Westlake. I was headed south on Westlake Boulevard. A uh, police officer was headed north. Uh, I'm wearing a suit and tie, okay, coming from work. Yeah, and by the way, and I just got to throw this out. Because Doug don't walk around with baggy nah, jeans. No, 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 that's not me. Look, Doug, Doug dresses way whiter than I do. I'm, I'm a preppy guy. What can <laughs> no, I say? You're, 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 and you so, <laughs> let, me, let me finish the story. So he flips a U-turn and pulls me over and said that he saw that my tags were expired. That they were. By, yeah. yeah. And, and they weren't. And uh, I couldn't believe it because when you're approaching somebody on a two lane, you can see their face. Yeah. So he saw the color of my skin and decided to give me a problem. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, because so, you shouldn't have been in Westlake, bro. That's that's the message that he gave me. Yeah. What are you? What is your kind doing out here? So that happened. And then um, for my college years and the beginning of my adult life, I lived in L.A. Uh, County proper. No problems. I have not not a single bad thing to say about the LEPD as far as how they treated me. Okay. Never a problem. That's a, a more diverse metropolitan area. Okay. Once I moved up here to the Antelope Valley, which has a similar demographic to Ventura County. It happened again. Hmm. Every few months, I would get hassled, uh, either pull over or walking down the street. Does it hey, have anything to do? Hey, are you on probation? Get over here. Really? I don't know. I'm doing just minding but my But does own it business. have anything to do with your gangster car you drive? Oh, yeah. My nondescript Toyota. Yeah, your t- 
Wait, what kind of car is it? Yeah, a Toyota. Yeah, it's really gangster. I'm just that's sarcasm, by the way, people. It's not. At anyway, all. It's not at um, all. and what am I trying to say here? It sucks. Yeah. Okay. Just knowing that the chances of me being harassed or just having to have um, an unwelcome encounter with the police is higher because of what I look like. That sucks. Okay. But then when you, when you add in these things, what happened to Mr. Castile, that one day um, I could lose my freedom or my life and the encounter started simply because of how I looked, that's unacceptable. And that's understandable. That's unacceptable. And I'm not going to have you generalize for the entire African-American community, but where, what is at the heart is, is the distrust is just because it's, They've seen this all the time, so it's kind of just boiled up. The d- distrust is that we see it, we see it every day. Yeah. You know, at least every week of recent history, we hear of people of color uh, being shot and killed by the police with zero repercussions. Yeah. The worst thing that I uh, remember hearing is somebody lost their job. I think in one of these cases. Yeah. Um, so there, there's no accountability. Yeah, and, and that's what we're gonna, and that's that's a good transition right there to where we we're going anyway. Because what I've noticed is a lot of people have, uh, rightfully so, they are very upset. They're seeking uh, justice, which everybody wants to seek justice whenever they feel been felt wrong. Honestly, don't even expect justice at this point because it happens so frequently. I but, mean, the first step is just like you said, admitting that there is some inequality. Yeah. And giving a damn about it. Yeah. You know? Well, and I mean, I think that's fair to ask of... I honestly think that's fair to ask of everybody. And what what I wanted to go into is we also seem to have an issue with people... I don't want to say not understanding, but they, they are upset with how our court system works in general. So with all these officers being acquitted... Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm not going to try to give people a... Uh, a lesson on how our judicial system works. But basically, the foundation of our entire court system is based on the beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, first, innocent or proven guilty. Yes. Right? Which and you course, must be proven guilty beyond, beyond a, reasonable a reasonable doubt. doubt. And according to the ju- judicial system, it means beyond a re- reasonable doubt, if you put that into a number, is about 98% sure. Okay, so the, so the jury has to be, in their mind, they have to be 98% yeah. sure that this person And now did what, the crime what that does that equate to? It's a, that number doesn't mean anything right. in It's still reality. arbitrary. It's a number we try to put down. And when you get down to it, because the original system was created on, and they actually use the wording that it's better to let 100 guilty people to go free as opposed to one innocent person be put in jail. That was actually the wording they, that we used originally. So... The problem with that is, like, in this specific case, you have, because you look at this and you say, how could someone not be convicted here? Well, here's the big issue with this exact case right here. And I have a feeling Doug's not going to agree with me 100%. And that's okay, because we're not here looking, trying to agree with everybody 100% of the time. Trying to actually find maybe some common ground. and Just an honest dialogue. And, but... In this specific case, this is how I perceive it. You see a guy go up to him. He goes against pretty much how I think the whole thing should have been handled. He does everything wrong, you're saying. The officer does everything wrong. And he somehow and shoots the guy and somehow gets off. Well, here's here's your big problem is cops are allowed to shoot people in self-defense. That's part of what they're allowed to do. 
Now, but they take that self-defense. Hold on, I'm not justifying. It. I'm it talking so broad that it applies to any time they shoot somebody. I'm not justifying it. I'm just explaining how the law is set up. But That's anybody's allowed to shoot them, shoot somebody in self-defense. In self-defense. Not just yes. police. But when it came down to this case, I'm just saying, how could somebody with this kind of video be on there and not get convicted? See, because here's the thing: is when a cop goes up to the person, and for him to be convicted, he has to have something what's called malice intent, meaning he had to. Are you talking about for a first degree murder? Well, for first degree, it's premeditated. So what are you talking intent. about? Manslaughter? Because that's what was the charge, right? Well, so what happens is you have basically three things here. So you have first degree, second degree, th theoretically you have third degree, and then you have your manslaughter charge. So people were asking why isn't, well, first of all, you're not going to get anything on there for premeditated because he would have never known that this guy was coming or there's no way to prove that. There's in no this, way to- In this instance, In right? this instance, there would be nothing there to- prove that he was knowing premeditated that he was going to kill this guy. Okay. So first degree murder, murder goes out the window right off the bat. They weren't even going to try to attempt that. Now, second, second degree murder. Well, second degree murder, it means you doesn't have to be premeditated, but you still had to have malice intent. Meaning when he malicious got out, intent, malicious intent. Yes. Malicious intent. Meaning when he got out of the car and he proceeded to kill that person, he had to want he had to have a want to kill that person and well, self-defense what about not self-defense what do you mean why can't malicious intent just be not self-defense because if you're if you're intending to kill somebody that is malicious besides it being an accident you know you, you yes. run over somebody's uh, animal let's just say that's an accident but right? if you but if you believe your life is in danger then it becomes self-defense but we that's ridiculous in this scenario that's I'm ridiculous just, i'm just saying that's how the law works okay the law works that okay. way so his defense was my life was in was threatened mm. that was his that was his defense basically okay. he said he feared for his life he feared for his life he said he feared he for said, his life so but here's the problem. So here's the problem with that one is he can say, oh, this video is this ridiculous. The problem is to prove that he did. He had malice intent and that he wasn't fearful for his life means you had to go inside of his head to figure out what his thought process was. Because how, if he says he was fearful for his life, what actual evidence do we have of beyond a reasonable doubt to say that that's not true? Now, looking at this. You can say, oh, it's pretty obvious. Well, it only takes one dissenting opinion for it to no longer be 98% beyond a reasonable doubt. So this is how the system is, unfortunately, this is what the flaw of the beyond but a reasonable see, doubt But see, those standards that you laid out, the letter of the law, how the justice system works, it gets applied totally differently to a civilian 100%. than to a police officer. It does. And if, the, if there was a, a, a black man that had shot and killed somebody in similar circumstances both civilians yeah well he cops, would have been in jail cops have a higher guilty high, cops have a higher threshold of conviction than the regular person that's higher threshold of conviction. meaning it takes more it takes more to convict a cop than it does the average citizen uh, that's because a problem i think i think a lot of your uh distrust and that may from be the citizenry comes from that very fact. They're quite literally above the law, as you're describing. Theoretic, cops are above the law. Well, that's that's not no, okay. I, they shouldn't be. I'm just They're saying, not. I'm just saying how it's written. No. That's all I'm saying. This is, how it's this is how the system is created. I'm not going to um, stip stipulate to that's that. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I had a feeling we were going to disagree. Cops are not above the law. But theoretically, I mean, theoretically, they are. Theoretically, they are. The way it's all set up, when you go in front of a, if a judge is, it's you, a judge, and the cop, 
and it's your word versus his, you're always going to lose. But that's not how it should be. Mm, it's kind of hard, but this, it, the, the problem is if there's, no, if there's no faith in cops in general with, for, within a society to have them of a higher truth than the average person, then you have a whole problem with uh, the whole basically judicial system collapsing. So it's a tough balance. I, I don't see it that way. Well, that's fine. Way. You cannot see it that way. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> but anyways, like, look, I'm not here justifying what happened. I'm right. just saying this is all they – so all they had to do, the, pro, the defense for this team, all they had to do was place more than 2% of doubt, doubt in there. And to be honest, it's pretty easy here. And I hate to say that, but it's pretty easy. And it's really easy because but of the it's, fact – But it's always easy, no matter the circumstances. Whenever a police officer shoots somebody and kills them, it's always easy You're gonna to need find it justified. 100% because you will need an actual key piece of evidence that proves malice intent. You'll need something. You, whether it's, for example, if he was walking up to the car, if he walked up to the car and he said something about how he wanted to harm this person, it was caught on that video, that would have been a key piece of evidence showing malice intent. But see, we're talking semantics. Like, what is his intents? How did, how did he feel? Even if he was just straight incompetent, you took someone's life. Oh, I agree. So there should be consequences I am for that. Only, I, am only strictly, I am only talking in regards to how the law is set up and how the defense system works. I am not talking about right or wrong yeah. here. That's all <laughs> you I'm said judicial about. system works. <laughs> I did? That's an oxymoron. Okay, got it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Go ahead. So, continue. Anyways, so, and then if you go down the route of manslaughter, for example, for, so manslaughter, you'll, this is something you generally see in something like drunk driving, right. okay? So you didn't mean to kill anybody because accidents don't count as criminal acts when it comes to murders, for example. What is a criminal I mean, act? Because you're doing time. It's just not. So for example, if you are, if someone's crossing the street and you hit them and you kill them with your car, you cannot be criminally charged because you didn't yeah, You're mean, criminally charged with manslaughter. No, you will not be only if you were like drunk driving, but just a crossing street. If somebody's just crossing the street and you're not doing anything that is illegal and you're just driving, you can't be charged with that murder. If you're black, you can be. Well, technically, according to the law, you can't. Now, I'm not going to get in. I can't go down with what specific scenarios. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But, but now, from what you're saying, manslaughter fits. In the Philando Castile case, manslaughter fits. Only if... He broke protocol when he did this, okay? And that's where it gets a little more dicey. But you can, like you can bend the perception of protocol to be anything you want. And that's, it's it's that's, the whole probable cause argument. All and what I, let me give you an example. Like, let's say, there's certain, um, let's say there's certain moves that are just not allowed in the police force, okay? They're not allowed. You're not allowed like to do Like certain chokeholds. Stuff like that. And you do that then you are liable because you actually broke protocol. Now you fit within the negligent, reckless negligent phase, which is how they kind of categorize manslaughter. Right. Okay. But if he follows technically protocol, because when you say certain words like protocol, it's a vague definition. Sure. Okay. It's, so, the, it's the jargon of that so field. As long as the defense can convince the jury that he stayed within realistic guidelines of protocol, he won't be charged with manslaughter. And there, there you have it. And there's, it, there's the loophole yep. that everybody's. And that's the thing. And that's the thing sneaking with the, through. And that's the thing about that ninety eight percent beyond a reasonable doubt issue. That's, that's the problem. That's the problem. And because if what does that one say by the way? Uh, what? I just wanted to read that. Comment. Oh, 
So she just said it's cool. I just like it when people oh, say respectful that. Respectful dialogue. So, oh, so we're just having you. respectful. Th- is, is that Chantel, by the way? Who is that? Yes. Is it? Hello, by the my way. My vision's not too good. Yeah, my, my vision's terrible either way. So this is the flaw of the 98%. Because in, theoretical, in theory, it's great that you have to hit this level of approval to be convicted. Because originally when they created this system, it was so that like the government couldn't just wrongfully throw you in jail. So in theory, this, it sounds nice, but there's a flaw in there, and, and we're seeing the flaw in that system. There's a few so, flaws, yeah. So here's one of the main issues with the court cases. How do you now fix that loophole in there without, without um, damaging the, the overarching theme of our entire system, which is requires you to hit this threshold so that you're not wrongfully thrown in jail? Well, I, I have a thought. I would love to hear your so, thought. So you served in the armed forces. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, when you're engaged in, in combat in the armed forces, well, as I was, far as I was, I, know, I was never in live combat, so I don't want to give people the wrong impression. By the way, so okay. I was not well, neither that, one so. of us were police either, but we're still yeah. having a, a true, true, true theoretical discussion yeah. about it. So, when you're engaged in combat, you have to follow certain rules of engagement. Yes. Right. So, like everyone knows the the saying, "Don't shoot till you see the whites of their eyes." Right. Yep. So, I would consider that a higher standard of conduct that soldiers have, right? So you can't just kill people indiscriminately. You've got to follow that code of conduct. Yes. And if you don't follow that code of conduct, what happens? If you are found guilty of violating that code of conduct. You go to military court. And what happens, typically? They'll they'll put you through a court system, and then if you do, you get thrown in the brig, which is the military jail. Okay. Yeah. So I think that the rules of engagement need to change. So this, this threshold, this standard of what's that 98% reasonable doubt, it's like, well, hold on, you're a peace officer, and you failed to keep the peace. There's going to be a penalty, okay? Nobody drew a gun on you. Nobody had you in a headlock. Nobody was reaching for your weapon. Your life was not in danger, though you claim it, you thought it was in the moment. So there's a penalty for that now because you violated your oath to keep the peace, You've, you've brought gunfire into a situation that was a simple traffic stop. And I agree. And then your counter-argument to that is going to be that these people are on their own time and everything, just regular citizens, and they want to go home. And since they're constantly in the line of fire and constantly in danger, that they're going to be on higher alert than the average person. And that they, because they're constantly surrounded by violence... That, that sounds like an excuse, though. That I, sounds like an excuse. I'm not giving. I'm not giving. That's that's like saying the president has a stressful job. So if he goes and bombs a country, we need to understand that he's got a very stressful job. No, you what's, hold what's, his feet to the what's fire. What's wrong with ra- bombing random countries? Because you, you feel me though. <laughs> no, I understand what you're saying. I'm so just, have a shorter shift so you're not as stressed out. No, I, I only I, work in neighborhoods where you feel comfortable working that you're not going to be on a hair trigger that you're not going to feel that your life is threatened over a simple traffic stop. So a lot of things need to change. Yeah. There's not a, a one magic bullet to fix this situation. And that's actually a good leeway into where I wanted to go on the next one too. Because what we need to start talking about is we need to start talking. Don't, don't get heated. No, 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 no. I was just, <laughs> I was just glancing at the screen. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about, because basically you're hearing a couple of things out there right now. You're thinking, you're hearing that cops are, Basically, gutting down African Americans because of that racist tendencies is I hear that one a lot. Um, There's definitely a bias. What are we hearing that? Because there's a bias. Uh, What are some other? Do we? What are the reasons Uh, we hear? Abusing their authority. Abusing their authority. Uh, Trigger happy has been thrown around. 
But I think it's important that we kind of define how we use in this specific case, if we're going to say that the police officers have a racial bias against them, I think we first need to define more clearly what that is. Okay, so now, where's the phone? I'm actually just going to pull this up right now. I'm just going to pull up the definition of what a racist technically is. According to You said racial bias. Yeah, but I'm just saying racist. Everybody has racial bias. Of course, but I'm just saying racist. Let's actually pull up the word racist. Okay? Well, see, now you're kind of muddying the waters because I, I never called the officer that it's shot just, Philando no, Castillo racist. Well, no, nobody's calling anybody racist in general. I'm just no, saying. Why, why are we looking is, it up? Because this, I'm hearing this is one of the things that's being thrown around. Well, not all cops that kill people are racist. Okay. I'll, I will admit that. So let's do well, this. Well, it can't be proven. We don't know that they are or they're not. Well, but I, what we can say, what I am comfortable saying, without a shadow of a doubt, is that the systematic treatment of black, brown, and poor people by the justice system is definitely racist. Now, when you say... So I'm not calling so a specific individual. systematic racism is what you're defining. Correct, with the capital R. Okay, now, when you say systematic racism, mm -hmm. do you mean that there is actually laws in place targeted at certain people? Is that what you actually mean? Yes. Okay, so when and, a cop... And, hold on, okay. if there's not a law that's written that says do this to black people and not to others, it is interpreted as such and it is applied as such. Can you give me an example? Weed. Well, I, it's it's hard two, for me to understand. Two years ago, two, well, two yeah, years I was ago. Like, it's okay? hard for me to say that one in California. Everybody technically, weed. technically, it's illegal. Okay, okay? and let's say thirty percent of people are indulging in marijuana. So the police have the option whether or not to enforce that. They smell weed on a lot of young people, and they can choose to apply it and forcefully use it to ruin someone's life or they can choose to ignore it and go about your business but wouldn't that be wouldn't that be more along the line of being racist because if it if the if the system is created to allow the cop to choose to have to have to discretion choose, on where they where they apply force. then if the cops are choosing more african-americans to target wouldn't that just be a racist tendency not a systematic tendency but it's it's a pattern that's modeled okay so even i would say even some black officers they see this behavior from their their partner, from their superior, from their training. You know, well, when we're in this neighborhood, when we see these people and we smell weed, this is what we do. But when you're up on the north side, you know, it's okay, a little frat and that's party, a, okay. and we smell weed, this is what we do. No, no, no. And I so actually, it's the application yeah, of the process. I want to actually address what you said right there, because that can be that can go a couple different ways. And let me explain that real quick. And I actually get where he's going with this. So. Let's say, well, let's, go, let's use Westlake because you use Westlake as an option, okay? That's where it goes down in the Westlake. In the Westlake, Westlake, <laughs> it Westlake, white Westlake. So, you know, cops pull over kids in Westlake. Westlake is not a very high-crimed area. What, can we say that? It's not a very high-crimed area. It's not a very violent area. It's not a very violent There's area. There's a lot of crime as happening everywhere. To, as opposed to somewhere like downtown L.A. Right. Okay? So when a cop in Westlake pulls somebody over, they might have more leniency to like lighten up with people because it's a rare occurrence. They can say, oh, boys will be boys, whatever. And I'm not justifying anything. What I'm just saying is how cops can react to things. So they'll say like, okay, there's not much, there's not much that happens here. They're doing something, but it's not a big deal. It doesn't really happen. The kids will be good. I don't want to ruin anything. As opposed to an area where stuff happens all the time. 
and they don't have the option to let stuff go because Always they have, have to, but they have to crack down. So we can at least oh to make say, an example to make a precedent. Well, I mean, but this is not this this concept I'm not talking about right now is not racist racial in any way. Anywhere that there's going to be a high crime area, the cops can't be as lean as in an area where it's rare. Can we at least say that? Mm, not necessarily. I mean, if you have an area of extremely high concentrated crime, you have to use your manpower to go after the violent offenders and the things that's a danger to everybody. Okay. And these these little like drug crimes like we're talking about, you kind of need to let that go necessarily. Now, can we agree to on keep this? The can we agree on this then? Can we agree on in areas where it is stuff goes down all the time, as opposed to areas that don't? Can we at least say how do I want to say this? I don't even know. I kind of lost my train of thought right okay. there. That's freaking embarrassing. It's okay. It's uh, it's not black and white. It's gray. That was very nice. But I'll come back to whatever I was going to say. But what I was going to say originally, it had to go with how a cop is going to approach people differently in general. So, oh, I know what I was going to say. When a cop pulls somebody over in a very high crime area, as opposed to Westlake, do you think it's normal for that cop to be on a higher alert when he pulls somebody over as opposed to somebody in Westlake? You mean high alert like fearing for his personal safety? Yes. Yeah, I would say a, a cop in Westlake is, Minus, has a more, yes. chill, more chill beat. Minus any race, race, racial tendency. An area that's having problems with murders. He's The cop, when he go, walks up to that car, he's going to have be more on edge and be way more... Aware. You're saying he's, he's less likely to have a gun pulled on him in Westlake. Yes. Right. Okay. But that doesn't justify anything. But what I wanted to lead with this was... It's also was, the population density to take into consideration. Anyway. <laughs> but what I want to say is when a cop walks up to a car with an African-American, the question is, is he more naturally on high alert with the African-American than he is with like a white person? It certainly seems that way. It seems that way to me too. That's a reality. I'm, and if you, if this goes back to one of those things where I think some people on, even on my side, need to at least admit that that's truly what happened. Now, there's you can go into 12 million reasons why that happens, and everybody has a different explanation that defends their stance of why that happens. Oh, it's because of these statistics showing that this or this is because of this. Everybody has a justification. I don't want to get into the justification of why that happens, but. I do believe that when a cop goes pulls over a black person, he's generally going to be on higher alert than he is of a white person. So when it comes into how this situation played, I'm going to think, and this is purely speculation, purely opinion, but when he got out of that car, he was at least on a much higher alert and much more on edge than he would have been if it was a white person in that situation. So when he so so that that may be the case, that may be the case, but it's it's certainly not justified. No, I'm not if justifying you, at all. If if the gentleman in the car had been white, but he had two felonies and kilos of cocaine and armed weapons in his lap, but he saw that he had white skin, his the cop's life is in danger in that scenario. He wouldn't have known until he exactly. got there. Exactly. So you don't know the criminal element that you're dealing with until you assess the full situation. 100%. You can't just look at somebody's skin. 
and say, I know how much danger there is. Well, you can't. You, you can't. In, you're but, right. But people but do. But people do. People do. People do. And what I'm saying is. And ignorance is no excuse. Of course. For the uh, law. So what I'm for, saying is. For anything. So when he came up to, to this car, whenever you're on edge, this is where you generally bring in the term trigger happy. So, oh, sorry to interrupt you. I apologize for that. But if, if that makes you on edge, if pulling somebody over for a traffic stop makes you on edge, you are not qualified for that. Well, position. that and that might be true. And you should not. And be that doing may that be job. true. And we can go into we can go into all, and we will go into all that in a little bit. But when it comes down to it, if I just want to clarify one thing, if he goes up and he has a different bias of how he approaches this black person, and, as opposed to the white person, and he's he's technically, I'm not going to use the word scared. But they do. They say, I feared for my life. That's their whole defense. Yeah, but when he say fear for life, he's talking about in regards to the actual escalation, which is a little bit different from what I'm talking about. The approach. You're talking about I'm the just approach. talking about before there's any confrontation. The approach. Before that, when he's just walking to the car, is he on higher edge than he would if it was a person that was not African-American? You have to ask him. Well, and I'm going to go with probably. I just do. I just believe he probably was. He was probably on higher alert. Now, is it to the point that he's going to kill somebody? Maybe not. I don't know. There's no way for me to know that. But when you are, when you're already on edge and you have a firearm, the chance of an incident of this magnitude of going up skyrockets compared to another situation. So don't give them firearms and they will be less on edge. Well, the other, the, the unfortunate side to that is you can't have the police not armed and then the average citizens allowed to be armed too. That's the other flip side to that. And you say, well, take away the guns from the citizens. Well, you can't do that because it's in the Constitution. So it's kind of this catch-22. Yeah. Sometimes what works out one way is not going to be great another. And it's actually great. I got my buddy Jason. What's up, Jason? Okay. I, I actually want to read this from Jason because Jason's an actual cop. All right. Can you read that or no? Uh, my vision's not great, but okay. I'll, I'll do my I best. I want to read this from Jason because Jason's I'll, I'll, actually— I'll get it. Uh, during vehicle stops— when the license plate is red, cops are notified by dispatch if there are any felony warrants, misdemeanor warrants, okay. or hold on, or if anyone is on probation has ever been associated with the vehicle plates. Therefore, some cars are approached with higher alert than others. Okay, and that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I appreciate that, Jason. Thank, Thank you, you for, that. for that. Jason is act Jason's one of the good cops. I lived with him for years. Most of the cops are good. Most cops. of the cops are good. Jason's awesome. And basically, he's, he's saying what you're talking about is true. So you're right. If there's something, if there's a serious issue with this car. They would have known will. ahead of time. But what Doug was talking about was more um, that there's all, there's could be danger anywhere, but some people, you would just don't perceive it to be danger simply because of the color of their skin, which I think is a fair assessment too. So I get what you were saying, and I get what Jason's saying. So of course, anytime he pulls, a cop's going to pull him over, he's going to run it. Now, did this guy have any anything on there to sh uh, I don't think that he had any convictions but he had several encounters okay. I saw an article that said uh, but nothing above traffic citations okay nothing above traffic so I mean because I could definitely I can definitely understand if there's something in there violent a violent crime or something like that I but can you definitely know what? Th this is crucial right here this information because that never comes out if 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 a police shoots somebody the first thing they do is start digging for dirt. They want to find out if there's anything criminal in, of course. The, in the victim's past to where they can justify it. Of course. Right? But it's very important to know if they were approaching the vehicle on high alert, like you're saying, 
because the plates came back dirty well, or what have you. The, that the public should know that when making their 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 first gut reaction on who was wrong and how wrong were they? Unfortunately, what that is, that's speculation and that's not allowed in court. How is that speculation? Speculation because how can you prove that he was on high alert? No, 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 no. That's not that's not my point. Okay. We've got dash cams, we got body cams. Okay. We're recording the whole um, interaction, okay? So if this gentleman calls in the plates and they say, "Oh, nothing, a couple speeding tickets, and that's it." And we know he should not have been on high alert when approaching that vehicle versus, oh, yes, two felonies, violent offense, uh, on probation, all these things. Okay, the officer would have been on high alert. That's very important. I agree. I agree. But the problem is when, when the, when you, especially when you watch the video. So where he goes in, where he pulls the gun out and everything like that. Well, who pulls out what the gun? The cop. When the cop pulls out his, his weapon. Oh, that's right, because Philando didn't pull out a gun. So when, when, the, when, the, when the cop pulled out his gun... It's hard. There's no way to know where in his mind it triggered into being fear. And that, and that, and it matters because you have to be able to prove that to prove malice intent. So that's why I'm saying like, that's what makes it so hard to convict these but see, cases. W- when it's a, when it's an officer, they're willing to split these hairs oh, and say, Oh, yeah, well course. we can, and we're not sure we were worn in his mind. F- civilians don't get yep. that. They don't get that benefit of the doubt. You're right. You're right. They do. We get warning shots. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually going to disagree with you on that one. Did you hear about the boy in Palmdale that got shot? No. They were responding to a noise complaint, and uh, there was a loud pit bull. Apparently, it was aggressive. Like the rapper? Like the dog. Okay. And the, the police, the, uh, the reports say that the police got bit by the dog, and the officers opened fire on the dog, and they killed a 17-year-old boy. Oh, wow. And they said right away on the news, it's a super unfortunate incident, um, terrible mistake, but it was, it was ricochet rounds. They bounced off the ground and they struck the boy in the chest. That's their story. The cop's story? Okay. So, I mean, because you can't blame the media for, for responding to what the cops say. Because you unfortunately can't, like, the, the media aren't allowed to say, and they, they well, shouldn't. I'll say this. The first article that I saw was L.A. Times. And they referred to the 17-year-old boy as a suspect. Okay? So that changes how the, how the person was, what was that's reading... Hold on. Of? Hold on. Nothing. Okay. So they referred to him as a suspect. Okay? A few hours later, they changed it to the subject. Hmm. Okay? So it does matter how... Maybe it was just the media. Here. Stop that. <laughs> so it does matter how the media Stop reports that. it. It does matter how the police word it. All these things matter. Because it's all going to be used as evidence in the court of public opinion and then in the court of law. So you can't tell me that it doesn't matter. And you know, and, and I agree with that. And I'm going to tell you, let's, let's just throw it all out there. Okay, let's just throw it all out there. Here's one of your big issues you're having with this whole topic in general. You're having this topic where certain people, because of what's going on, you know, everything's driven by like sensationalism on Facebook and social media and everything, right? Clicks and views. And unfortunately, certain people have been put in scenarios where they have to be in a camp, meaning like you're either on the side of the African Americans or you're on the side of the cops. And unfortunately, and I'm not I, saying I didn't us. say the, no, no, the no. 17 year old. I didn't say I'm who not, his race I'm not was. saying you. I'm just talking about how what's starting to happen in our society. This is what people are starting to do in general. Meaning what you're going to notice 
is anytime, and this goes for multiple scenarios, not just the cops. This goes with like concepts of terrorism attacks and stuff like that. What you do is as soon as something happens, before we get any information, anything, you've already picked a side. You've already can't, and you're doing this. You're doing this, and not you, us in society. Doug's breaking stuff. It's fine. Go ahead, continue. So it's his house. He can break whatever he wants. So what happens is, because we've gotten to this new phase in the world where it's not about taking time and figuring out facts anymore. It's about rushing to get an opinion. And I mean, I'm just as guilty of it than anybody else because, you know, I love fanning the flame and everything online. Now, I try to take a little bit of time, but right now, if there's like a shooting that goes down, people, before they even get the knowledge, have already decided who they're going to defend already. If you're in the Black Lives Matter crowd, because I don't put you in that crowd because I don't put you in any camp whatsoever, you go and you defend one side. And, and I use them because they're the extreme on this topic. And I'm not even saying they're wrong or anything. I'm just saying they're the ones that are generally out pushing the hard, um, I don't want to say anti-side, um, but they're pushing one side hard. And then you have the people that are the diehard blue supporters that defend them to the death. So what happens is a shooting occurs and they go right to their corners. They go right to their corners before we've even heard any facts about anything. And unfortunately, this... Well, let me stop you right there. In, in that situation, who needs the support from, from the public? Who needs it? Well, technically, the family of the person that gets killed is the person that needs the support. Right, because we know that the, the Blue Brotherhood will support, the court system will support the officer regardless of the facts of the, how the incident shakes out. The, the victim and the victim's family is not getting any support. But we only care, but this is for anything. We only care, but if the, uh, let, me, let me try this again. If the person actually ends up being a diehard criminal, then nobody cares about the support of the family anymore, except for the actual family. That's, a, that's the reality. If we, everybody has this mentality, if certain people deserve something, then we don't feel bad for well, them. Well, let me, let me tell you how, how I look at that. Go. Okay. If there's a situation where lives, civilian lives, are in immediate, imminent danger, then I am all for taking them out any means necessary. Yeah. If it's anything less than that, and I'm sure there's exceptions that I'm not thinking about, but if it's anything less than that, uh, a warrant, a traffic stop, misdemeanor, drugs, whatever the situation is, I'm on the side of everybody surviving the encounter. Yeah. That's my priority. I'm not like, oh, he's right because he's a civilian or they're wrong because they're a police. I'm on the side of everybody surviving and getting home to their families. I'm That's the, the side that I'm on. I'm on that side too is be, until a weapon is presented. By whom? Well, I'm, I'm giving you a scenario, a scenario in general, meaning I'm all for peaceful resolution. The problem is people present their wallet or their cell phone and they get shot. Okay, and, and, that's, and that's what we, eh, I don't want to use the word accident, but let's say someone truly believed, truly believed. Now, you can say that they didn't actually, they're just using an excuse, which may be true. But let's say someone truly believed what they were pulling out of their pocket was a gun. And they shot him thinking this was truly a gun. Now, we have to, I'm, I'm using a scenario where it's true, where they truly believe that. If they got shot because of that, we could say it's a terrible tragedy and it's a horrible accident that this occurred. Can we say wait, that wait, wait, wait. If, if it's true? If, 
if somebody pulls out a gun and aims it at the police if, and they get shot. No, no, if if somebody pulls out like they're just pulling out their wallet. Gotcha. And the cop truly believed, not said it was, but truly believed it was a gun. Okay. And shot him. We would be able to, I think, say if we knew and truly believed that it, we he thought it was a gun, we would say it's a terrible tragedy and an accident. I wouldn't use those words personally. I would say he he messed up. The officer can, messed he up. Can still, you can say, and I'm okay with using that terminology. I'm okay with saying he, he messed so up. So while it, while it is a tragedy, because a tragedy implies zero blame, okay? And in that circumstance, there is still some blame to be had. Because like that higher standard that we were talking about earlier, you know, somebody pulls out a flat piece of leather from their back pocket and you can't tell that it's not a firearm or, or a child has a water gun and you can't tell that that's not a firearm. Or, or a child is running away from you in a park and you can't tell. Like, these are not just tragic, blameless tragedies. You know, I agree, but like, I these also... These are horrible, I'm not, but I deadly also, mistakes that are crimes. I agree. That's a, that is a death, an unlawful death. It is a murder. See, but I'm going to still defend, in certain scenarios, I do defend the cops. Meaning, cops, I get, they have a, they have a rough gig. They have a rough gig. Their lives are in yeah, danger. And, they put and their it line sucks because when they were 18, they were they were drafted and they had no choice. They had to go fight for their neighborhood. And so if they lose their <laughs> drafted, oh to, no. oh they chose to be yes. oh okay that's a little different. Yes, they did choose to be, but yeah. you're in a constant set. You're in a you're in a job where you specifically chose danger. That's okay. what you chose as your career. Okay. And you know if you come across a hundred scenarios like this, the chance see the chance of shooting a random person. As a private citizen like me, a gun owner, is very low. I rarely am going to come into the scenario where it happens. The more chances you get into, and the more times you do that, the chance of mess-ups going up is going to skyrocket. Just the law of averages. The law of averages. Right. Now, I'm not using that as a defense, but I'm saying no matter what we do here, this type of thing where the person pulls out the gun and it's not a real gun or something like that is going to happen either way because by the law of averages, this is going to happen either way. So we can, we can understand at least that there's going to be some accidents either way, no matter what we do. Can we say that at least? Yes, but they're happening a lot more than they okay. should. And we can discuss that, but we have to at least admit that there's going to be accidents no matter what happens because we're humans. We're flawed. We make accidents. Sometimes we do stupid stuff. We make bad decisions. So if, when, when you're taking this on, when there's a real threat, when there's a real threat, we feel justified. When there's not a real threat, we feel victimized. Okay. So the, the hard part is finding the balance between those two and which one is real and which one is fake. Now, to tell that his... You, you can't prove that someone's fear is not legitimate. There's no way to prove that, especially in a court. Fine, but if you're in a threatening situation and you signed up for a job to where you deal with threatening situations all day, you need to have a higher level of preparedness to meet that threat yeah. and to remain calm in that situation. But what do you do? Because everybody has bad days. Everybody everybody has crappy days. Everybody right. gets sometimes on edge. How do you separate that from a cop's life? It's impossible to separate that. They're going to have bad days. If you're dealing with life, like, okay, if, I, if I'm a surgeon, I'm doing high-stress work every day. Yeah. If there's a day where I'm, I'm on edge, I'm not feeling it, I'm not going to operate that day. 
See, but cops don't have that. They don't have that option. Why not? They don't just get to take the day off because they're on edge. Why not? Because because you'd be perceived as weak and scared. Well, but you you know what? Sometimes I don't feel like going into work. I can't just call. I just can't call in to not go into work because I don't feel like it. Well, you don't have this type of high stress life and death job. Yeah, but cops, what are you gonna do? They they have a specific route that they have to. They're just, it's not like you just call in and say, hey, can you, you? Sure, you can have people cover shifts and stuff like that, but you just can't. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't see it that way. I don't see it that they can just. They're stressful and they're having a bad day, so they just need to take it off. Because what happens when so you have a, when you have a, what I'll happens ad- when you have a bad month? I'll admit that they can have stressful days and bad days and etc. But that is still not an excuse for accidentally or on purpose taking a well, life. and they're going to be and that's they, not and they that's not be. a justification. Yeah, and we should we should. I think we can all agree that they need to be held responsible for their actions. I think we can all agree on that. But at the same reasonable standard as a civilian. I just don't think you're going to get that. I really don't think you're going to get that. It it doesn't matter if I'm going to get it or not. That's how it should be. Okay. Like if we're going to say, or if we're going to call them peace officers, if we're going to say that everyone's life is equal, then that's what we're going to do. I mean, in in theory, this whole system works great. In theory. In theory. But in practicality, there's holes in the whole system. So what, what's next on your list? So my next list is we were talking about specifically reasons. We actually covered it already. We were going to talk about specific reasons that people are not getting convicted. Okay. Like what wasn't it? Because we, we hear certain things. We, we wanted to talk about things that you hear all the time, phrases that are thrown around all the time, and talk about whether they're just completely dumb or if they have some validity. And we hear about the one I hear all the time is that how come good cops aren't telling on corrupt cops? Well, a couple issues there from my perspective. Number one, you have, first of all, you're never going to really know the details of any other, of any other police department. Okay. So you're, you're, Whoa, you're why, local, why does, what does that have to do with anything? Well, so a police department, a police officer in this territory is not going to come forward and testify against another cop. Obviously he's not going to know. Obviously. So, and that's only one thing I'm just, just, I'm just talking about how pe- some people are not understanding how the system works. Okay. So that's all I'm saying. So the whole thing that why aren't the good cops? Well, first of all, those good cops in another department have nothing to do with this case. So they can't talk about it in the first so place. So obviously we're relying on good cops within, within the department. So you have to start with there. And I don't right. think some people right off the bat understand that it has to be in their own department, first of all. And then second of all, you do have a code of brotherhood. That is reality. We had the same thing in the military. And you don't want to... There's, there's going to be pressure amongst anybody and anywhere they are to not say something. And then also you have to look at something else. If, a, if the cop wasn't there, he doesn't have any more knowledge than you do. He, does, he, doesn't, he truly doesn't have any more. So a cop will look at that. But what he does know is the character of the, of the officer involved yeah. in the shooting. And I mean, but the, and here's one of those things, the reality of and that. The track record. Yeah, the reality of, use, of that coming forward is pretty low. That's a reality. And that, that's a problem. Yeah, so that's, when, that's when, people, when people ask, why don't good cops come forward? That's what they're asking. Why didn't the partner say something? Why didn't the, uh, his supervisor say something? Why didn't his friend within the department who had seen a pattern of behavior say something to prevent it or after the fact say something to expose it? But you know what? But sometimes, a lot of the times, there truly was nothing there to be said. Sometimes there wasn't. Sometimes the guy just made a bad judgment call and that was it. He, but he didn't show anything. There was nothing in his past that would have said he's a racist or anything like that. Just that, that's, a, that's a reality too. That 
there just might not have been anything there to say anything. There's but, not always any time. But if you look, but if you look at, you know, all the incidences over the past few years, am I to assume that that was always the case? That these were all innocent accidents and just mistakes? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. that nobody knew anything and nobody. We'll, we'll never. The reality is, we'll never know. But they will never know. But they unless know. certain people step up. So they we know. have to say, yeah, the people there know, but we, the people, we, the public, will never know. So. If, if we can look at all these cases and I would have no idea to know which people actually had a bias and which ones truly just screwed up. But you know, it's funny. Police joke. Police are also in there's investigators too, right? Yeah. And they're pretty darn good at cracking cases, mm-hmm. right? So if you can't crack a case about somebody who killed somebody in your department, not a very good investigator. Well, but it, 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 like, let's take the most recent case though. What about that? Like, if, if unless he was openly biased to his other people, to his other coworkers, openly. And I mean, in today's climate, here's your reality. In today's climate, biases are going to be kept very quiet at this point. Any real bias, most people are going to keep it under wraps because mm. they're going to at least suppress it more knowing that the chance of this happening is higher. At minimal, I would think, even if you're a flat out racist, blatant racist, in today's climate, I would at least think if you had a mild amount of common sense, you would at least keep your biases a little quieter than you would have in the past. Would you say at least that? Mm, not since January. No, I wouldn't say that. Why wouldn't you say that, though? Because there's been the, the whole tone of things have changed to where people that did feel a certain way, that had biases in their heart, now feel more empowered to be vocal about it. See, I don't. You know, we, we see. We I don't see know a lot. Apl- of I, I, I see how you're saying that out in the public. I don't know if I would say that applies to the police force. I, so. I don't. I don't know either. But there seems to have been enough incidences to where it's a theme at least. So if if you can't prove bias and you can't prove the malicious intent, right? You can you can at least be honest about the facts as they happen in the moment and the witnesses that saw it happen can speak up and say something other than he followed protocol. Yeah, but you, and that's the thing is you can do that if you have witnesses, if you have when are, witnesses. When are you not at least with a partner? And most of the time if you're, you have backup if you're using force. Yeah, and I mean, you're right, you're right. If the cop, if the partner is willing to say it openly, and is willing to, we will know. But we'll never know unless they say something. That's the reality. And, we and can another have, problem, all we can do is speculate. So let, let's say let's say I'm the I'm the officer. And this I realize this is not fair because I've never been an officer and I don't have any police training. You still young enough I, to go do it, but bro. But I do have um, uh, law enforcement people in my family and in my circle of friends. But let's say I'm the officer and I'm in this moment where I feel fearful, or or I feel uncertain. Like, I don't know what's going on. You know, I, I have my gun and I'm ready. Okay. What I do know is whatever happens here, they got my back. Yeah. I can shoot and literally ask questions later and I'll be fine. See, and, and I think that's what it's come down to. I don't think that's actually what the, their mindset is. I'm not saying that that's a, a conscious thing. 
but in your lizard brain in the back of your mind. You think, so like you and me, you think you have a, you'll think you at least have a higher chance of getting away with it than the average person. Higher chance, a darn near hundred percent chance. Well, as long as your but your coworkers um, have your back and they will support you, you're gonna be fine. And, and that, but that goes with anything. That goes with anything across the board. You can do anything if you get so away. So you're with saying it. everybody's loyal to everybody all the time? No, no, no. What no. I'm saying is you can get away with any crime if nobody's can. If you're making sure that nobody can testify against you, you can get away with any. Anybody can get away with that crime. Any crime. That's why. That's why. Depends mob, what color you are and how the, much money you have. That's why the mob used to knock off any people that tried to testify against right because you can't testify them if they ain't around but so it's it's the same thing if you or and i were in public and we had an altercation and one of us brought out our firearm we wouldn't need to because i would just beat you with my hands no problem uh, depending on the distance but (laughs) we would most likely hesitate before using that force because we would think oh i don't want to go to jail I don't want my family to lose me. Well, it, it depends. But police don't have that worry. Well, I'm going to say, but it also depends. It depends. If I truly thought you were a threat to me in that exact moment, I wouldn't be thinking about that. I would be thinking about survival. I would kick into survival mode. If I truly believed in that moment right. that I was in a life or death situation, all laws go out the window. Right. And but, I but go as into an, survival. But, but as an intelligent civilian, you have the whole spectrum of options available to you. You can stay and fight. You can, you can, you know, flight, you know, you can do use evasive maneuvers. You can distract them. You can call for help. You, but you can do anything you want. The police, it seems like once they engage, it's like a dog with a bone. It's like either you're going to submit to my will and do exactly what I think you should be doing, or I'm going to use all my weapons until at disposal within protocol until you are subdued whatever it takes yeah you feel what i'm saying no i get what you're saying but so the mentality and the training i feel like could prevent a lot of these deaths if they didn't have that mentality well that's and that's actually a good that's a good leeway into the next one because what we're ultimately talking about ultimately the big debate about this whole case is whether he was actually in survival mode or not that's really what we're talking about. I, I think that the majority of people looking at the video can say that his life was not in danger. Maybe. And that might be true. But the Especially question is, if you watch it on mute. The question is, though, can you prove it? And that's the hard part. Can I prove it? Nobody can. That's the hard part. Because ultimately, the survival mode is a function in the brain. It's a thought process. To say you are in fear of your life is a thought process. It's not an actual... It's not an actual, there's no number to measure it. There's no standard to measure it because what we say is my life is in danger or what I perceive to be a threat is relative to me. Whether I think I'm in a threat, like this situation right now, I perceive this to not be a threat in any manner. But do you do you remember the, the Trayvon Martin case? Of course. Because I, I feel like where we are now, because there's this has been happening throughout history. I feel like since Trayvon, that was like the catalyst for the Black Lives Movement, mm-hmm. and we've been kind of keeping new score since then. He had the um, uh, Stand Your Ground law, right? Yeah. Switch those roles. Trayvon shoots George Zimmerman. Stand your ground. I was defending myself. He's in jail, probably for the rest of his life. And that's that systematic bias that I'm talking about. The benefit of the doubt is not with us. 
And 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 I'm not going to disagree with you, but that's not a flaw of the system. Whoa, I would say what? I would say that's a flaw of people. I would say that's a flaw. Who made of the system? The people made the system. Okay then. But what I'm saying is, if you look it, at you the can't. law, if you look at the law, if you look at the laws, and you get rid of any, if you got rid of anything that we were talking about, and you just looked at the words on paper, you probably wouldn't see bias. Now, when you put them into practicality and how they work in a society, then it changes because people do have biases. People are flawed. But what I'm saying is that law, the concept of the stand your ground law in just the wording is not racist. Now, how but it they plays apply out, it, they apply it. But I would call that, but I call that racial bias and I call that a flaw of humans, not necessarily the words that are written down on that paper. But you're, you're seeing the example set. You know, the generation before you applied it a certain way. The generation before them that mean, applied it, it a certain way. But does that way. mean you get rid of the standard ground? Is that the fix? You get rid of the standard ground law? Is, is that where the crux of this matter is? No, I, mean, I don't think that's where the crux is. Well, first, 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 first of all, if you're going to keep the law, you apply it equally and fairly without bias. Okay, but right there, right there, that right there is a relative term, meaning if, somebody no, is, if somebody's racist then even though the law is not racist, it now will become racist because they're now no, no. The law, The law doesn't become racist because somebody is applying it But racially. each, the way our system Any, works, you, each court case has to be whole, individually analyzed. But the, but the whole justice system has these human elements of error within of course. it. So you can't just change a law and magically everything is fixed. Hmm. It's got to be a little bit of everything. Agreed. You've you've got it. You've got to try. Are we to the um, solution point of the yeah, talk yet? Yeah. Well, you know what? We're we. I, I'm surprised how long we went on this. So I mean, we might as well go to the solutions. And actually, hey, if anybody out there, if like Jason's still watching or anything, I want you to make sure that uh, tell me how some of this stuff actually goes down because I don't want to say like, oh, we should do this, and you're like, uh, idiot. We already do do that. So if uh, anybody out there is actually a cop, knows training, just let me know. So, so um, I, I shared that, um, that video about a police force in a, in a certain place that um, they ramped up their de-escalation training and they haven't had any fatalities in many, 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 many Well, months. okay, so first of all, de-escalation training is already standard. De-escalation training is already standard. To what extent? Oh, like how often and everything do they teach it? To be honest, I don't know. Is it honest, is it know. the equivalent of the sexual harassment training when I go get a job at Applebee's? Well, let's is put it, it this is way. Is it that intense? Let me, let's put it this way. I freaking let, let's let's let me tell you about let me tell you if you ever plan on joining the, the United States Navy, you're going to get really too good good at two things, all right? You're going to get really good at cleaning and you're going to get really really good at learning how to not rape people. Because you watch 10,000 freaking seminars on not raping people. Okay, because that's what you do in the freaking military. But the problem is, it still happens, and it keeps happening. So it doesn't matter how much the freaking training courses they do, because sometimes human nature kicks in still. Because humans by nature are flawed, in my opinion, and they screw up. Now, do I think ongoing training is a good thing? Sure, of course, on sure, ongoing training is a good thing. If we can figure out a way with bu budget restraints and everything, and all that good stuff, you know, because police are still funded by taxpayers, so every dollar has to be watched. Well, they're funded by taxpayers, so technically they're working for the people? Yes. Okay. But what I'm saying is, 
What I'm saying is anything that you implement costs money. So mm -hmm. everything has time restraints. Everything has money restraints. Mm -hmm. So within, so we can't say like, we need to send all cops away for one year to trade. Okay. That's not a reality for, they can rework all this training court. That's not a reality because the numbers have to make sense financially and everything like that. And de-escalation training is already a standard part of, um, it's part of policing already. Well, why, why do I get the feeling that it's just kind of glossed over? And that it's not really focused on. Well, Why do I get that feeling? And there's two uh, there's two general answers. I believe you're going to get to that. One side says because when you have this much stress coming at you all the time, eventually you're always going to be on high alert because you're constantly understanding that your life is in danger all the time. And when your life is in danger all the time, you're not going to go by the standard de-escalation because you're going to be on edge, thinking you're going to get killed which will change. So that's so one if, answer. Uh, so if you're, if you're stressed out at work and you know what you're supposed to be doing, but you, you, you've been under stress all these months at work, can you rape your boss? Can you kill your boss? Can you be disrespectful to your boss and still keep your job? No. Why not? You were following protocol. You were stressed out. Yes, but the reality is because this system has to work differently than any other system. That's just the way it goes whether we like it or but not. But this system, all systems work a little bit differently, yep. but they work in concert with one another, right? So the justice system works with the policing system. The justice system works with the legislative system. Like they're all working together. So we can't say that this one system gets to play by yeah, different Yeah, but roles. I mean the judge behind the d desk is not in the situation of the cop ever. So you can't, you can't compare they, to him. To I'm not comparing the them t together. I'm saying that those systems must work together. Agreed, but I mean, so you can't you can't make one change one knob in one system and affect it to change the other one. Yeah, but at the same time, like let's say you have. So you the, know we're not going to find one answer. There's no such thing as one answer. There's no such because, thing as one answer because ultimately you have a couple things that are just don't have anything because there's certain issues in this in this whole debate that there's nothing legislation can fix. Period, because there's certain things that laws can't fix. But but would you would you agree that that um, more effective, um, comprehensive de-escalation training more frequently would have some positive effect, would save some lives. Can you say that? No, I can't. I can't. And, uh, and I'll tell you why that is. Because ultimately what these things come down to is certain scenarios. These, these I'm putting them in quotes, life or death scenarios. Okay. Life or death scenarios. Now, if they're true life and death scenarios, then de-escalation training goes out the window. First of all, it goes out the window. Those that doesn't that doesn't that doesn't even matter. Anymore. Oh, okay. So why so bother then? If let's not train on. them at all then. If it becomes a life is what I'm talking about. I'm talking by human nature. The person automatically is going to disregard that because if he's in fight or flight mode, he automatically will disregard de-escalation training. That's how humans work, and that's how I would work. If I am in a true situation where I am in fight or flight and I have a chance of getting killed, I no longer care about protocol. I don't. I just won't care about it. Anything beyond me getting home, nothing else matters at that point. So when you were in the military, I know you, you did not have combat training, no. you said, right? No. But I'm sure you knew people that did. Yes. Now, when they went through their combat training... I'm guessing. I'm well, more or less. All, more or less assuming. I wouldn't recommend comparing military training to I'm not, police. I'm. I'm, ma I'm making a point about the the purpose of training. Mm -hmm. Okay. So people that are trained for combat. I'm. I did not serve in the military, so I'm making an assumption here. That when you do get into these life and death situations, like you're on the front line, 
you know, your fire is coming at you. It's literally life and death that the people that trained you are hoping that in those moments when everything is crazy, that you more or less fall back. You have training to fall back on. And you know, what's interesting because I know where you're going with this. I know what you're going with because it, then you're talking about people that are, they now become conditioned to work better in those scenarios. Right. Okay. So it's got to help somewhat. I've you can't a, say that the it has no is, effect. I have actually, I've actually brought up the solution that we should bring back military combats to be some of the first people in the police force. And you know what the, you know what the answer has always been every time I've said that? that then we've become a militarized police. So we don't want that either. So the only way you're gonna know how you, how you react under pressure in life and death situations is when you've been under pressure in life and death situations. The people that are gonna know more than that than anybody is combat veterans. Nobody's gonna know more. And I've actually offered that as a solution, but then I always get counter-argumented that we do not want to militarize our police force now with, with people that were in combat. So it's like, I don't know where the give is anymore. So there's there's good and bad like you don't want the military practices that say you can take somebody and torture them without a trial we don't want that part of military operations but the part that i've been in a life and death situation and i know how i react so so at least i know i can or can't handle so would it. you be would you be more comfortable if your entire police force was x frontline forces military entire police force i mean that's a good question it's, it's hard it's a good that's question but if, if they're all um, ex-military... I don't want to militarize the priest. If they're police. all ex-military that has been in these life and death situations and they all responded well. So the ones that didn't respond well, that have crazy PTSD, like they're not invited to join our police force. I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a good idea what? or not. I, I, I literally don't okay. know. And you know what? I think, I, I think we're going to have a solution pretty soon, to be honest. Okay, because the big question is this. No matter how many training courses you run through, you're... Anytime he runs through a training course, they're always going to stick to it because they don't feel like they're in true life or death scenario. Because you're never going to know how people react until they're actually in where they believe is to be a life-threatening scenario. And no scenarios you can play is going to put them in that scenario. Can't, because you can run them through so many training courses and all this stuff, but in the back of their mind, they know they're fine. They're safe. So they can stick by protocol because they know they're safe. I do believe down the road, we're going to have some sort of technology that actually makes them feel like they're in a life and death scenario. Similar we'll to a virtual reality and we'll be immersion able to, therapy. And we'll be able to teach, test them and see how they perform under those scenarios. Okay. So that, and, that seems like a, a, a posi possible feasible solution for the near future. And then you'll at least at minimal, you'll at least now it's never going to be accurate. Let's not kid ourselves. Right. But it's, that, it's just a, a tool, but an it, extra tool but it would to be, help. It would be a tool to be able right. to say, okay, this person looks great on paper, but man, we ran them under these, scenarios and they suck they Failed fail every time get yeah. them out of here yeah. terrible now this person i didn't think was so good but man we put him under this stress scenario and he reacted great that should have been the person that got it but you actually put in the person who got the paperwork right who right looks good on paper and right, then the right. person that didn't look good on paper was actually the qualified candidate so going back to my idea about more thorough de-escalation training you're saying it's not going to help at all I'm saying it can't hurt at all. It can't hurt, but I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's really going to help enough to the point where it, we, we would be happy with the results. I think, it's, I think it, the places that they've tried it, it seems to be working. I only well, know but one, then you, you can I get into a whole other scenario. Instance. You can get into a whole center when you can't compare certain cities together. You can't like, you can't compare Salt Lake city but to Chicago, but you're comparing all, all humans respond the same when they're in fight or flight. So I, all humans would benefit from this training that teaches them how to deescalate. 
Yeah, but what I'm saying is you can teach, it's really easy. You can teach everything, they can do it a million times, and they can. you think they got it down, but they get into a real life scenario and they completely disregard it. It's it's still a tool that you can have. Look, in your I'm belt. not against it, bro. I'm not against but you're saying it. But you're saying that it's virtually worthless. I'm just, no, I'm, no, I'm not even saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm not saying it's virtually worthless. What I'm saying is I don't think it's going to have enough impact where it's going to resolve anything we're talking about. Okay, right now. moving on. Next solution. I've heard this thrown around as a, as a possible okay. idea. Um, to have police only work in the neighborhoods that they're, that they either live or that are familiar with. Yeah. That way that you have a relationship with the community that you're policing as opposed to living in Simi Valley and going to police, um, South central. Well, Los the Angeles. only reason, the only reason is, um, I can see a couple issues where people have dealt, I know cops have dealt with in the prop uh, Jason commented. In oh, there. he did. What did yeah, he say? I don't know. So read the, I want to see what Jason has to say. Same training you have seen celebrities and other people on TV try to do and fail miserably. Which are you re which which training are you re referring to, Jason? Are you talking? Just just clarify what training because I just want to know exactly what you're well, talking. It's probably about. the ones where like something pops up and it's either a good guy or a bad guy, yeah. and you have to decide in the moment to shoot or not. I'm sure something eh, like he'll, that. He'll clarify it. But um, but what, it be? what I'm saying is. I know a lot of cops don't want to live in the community they work in because they're afraid that people are going to come attack them and where they know because they don't want to be known that they're cops because they want their houses. They don't want their family to be in danger and everything right. like that. I can see that as a real solution. I do like what you're talking you, about. You can see it as a solution or a problem. No, I see that as a problem. Sorry. See I see that as, that as a problem. problem. Right. But I, I know what you're talking about. It's a lot easier to police people when you have relationships with people right. too. So it's a catch 22. Well, I just, well, we got to find the balance now. between those. It is now, but it used to be that way, right? I mean, I, I hear older people, older black people telling me like, I had a relationship with the beat cop in my area. I knew him by name. Yeah. He'd give me a ride if I needed it. He brought me food if I was hungry. You know, he, he would break up fights in a peaceful manner. He would mentor me. Things of that nature. I, yeah, that I think, element I think, seems to be gone. I think that has so to it, do it, with... It, it, it was in effect at some point. So maybe we can't go back to it I think that but just has to grow, do with like the, the, the state, the country has just grown so much and we've grown know. beyond that. I don't know. Um, I don't know if there's a specific reason other than that we just had a, but would it, wouldn't that. you say that in small town USA that that's still going on to yes. some degree and, and it's, that you've got a, a sheriff that you know, well, let's put it this way. My mom, my mom's little town, her, uh, it was pretty hilarious. So the cop, the only cop in her town was the school bus driver until three o'clock. <laughs> and then after three o'clock, he became the police. So I'm doing all my crime till 2.59. So it's hilarious. And I was like, <laughs> no, but I actually asked her, I was like, what happens if someone breaks the law before 3 p.m.? Yeah. But it's such a tiny town. But that's what it is. They, they, they have that relationship. Right. And you do still see that in small town, but you're not going to see that in major cities. Right. And I mean, these types of shootings generally are not happening in small town like USA stuff. It's generally more in places that usually that are like suburbs of big cities, but it's not usually like little towns in Nebraska and stuff like that. Most of the time. I don't understand it happens. Well, people, like you said, people have to realize there's a problem, admit that there's a problem, admit that they realize that there's a problem before they even consider any type of solutions or any step in the right direction. And I'll tell you what I think the biggest hurdle and the biggest problem is going to be. I think the biggest problem in this whole situation is going to be that thing where people 
pick a side before anything happens because people feel like they have had to choose choose sides. I think that's going to be one of your biggest hurdles in this entire debate because I should not, if this goes down and I don't have any information, I should not have a predisposed um, opinion about who's in the right or wrong. I shouldn't, theoretically. I understand we do and I understand, but if our society turns into that where we no longer are able to look at each individual scenario, then I don't know if there's going to be much hope for that. And I think our first, I think beyond admitting that there's a problem, I think we need to all admit that we all have a bias. I think we, we all have to have a bias and we have to be willing to accept that and be able to own up that we have a bias. Now, what's the way to make that happen? I don't know, man. I don't know what that is because if you, you can't get people on the same page to create solution as if nobody's even on the same page about what the problem is. I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, luckily for all you people out there, we weren't trying to actually come up with a solution for I this. I was. Ah, well, sorry, bad. I don't think we figured it out. Um, I'm done, dude. I want, I want my kids to come home safe and not worry about the police. Dude, and by the way. you want that? You see that right there? That's his little two-year-old, two now, right? Now no, it's like a year and one. year and something, whatever. Yeah, fourteen. One, two, three, four, whatever. They're all the, it's all the same. Yeah. But that was one stinking cute kid. Is he asleep cute. right now? He's asleep. Yeah. He's asleep right now. He's I'm awesome. Glad, I'm glad he doesn't look as black as his daddy does. <laughs> He's got your features though, man. He's just got your wife's skin. Color. Yeah, but if an officer is approaching him from the back and they just see his neck, they'll assume that he's not black. Well, then there you go. He's gonna get some of that wife privilege, man. Yeah, man. He's gonna get some of that privilege. It's real. Well. Uh, thank you everybody for tuning in to us. Uh, Doug, where can everybody find you? He runs his own podcast. Morgan Freelance. I'm on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud. I'm on Twitter. On Facebook, I'm kind of, um, what do you call it? I edit myself on Facebook, but you get the real on Twitter. I don't really face edit myself in general. And, uh, of you course, don't have to. And if you've never met me before, my name is Nathan Martell, and my website is NathanMartellIsStupid.com. Now, Doug... Generally, at the all, all of the end of my podcast, mm -hmm. I put a song in. Okay. Okay, but I'm gonna let you choose the song today. <laughs> what do you want to? What do you want to? And don't pick a song by N.W.A. or Ice T. Nope. Don't Ugh. pick either of those. Sorry, I'm not putting those on my uh, podcast. I'm gonna choose uh, Kendrick Lamar. I love myself. All right. So this is gonna be first. This is gonna be the first hip hop song on mine, and it's Kendrick Lamar. What's the song? It's called I. I. I by Kendrick Lamar. Let Kendrick Lamar. All right, guys. Anything left? Always a pleasure, man. Everybody get home safe tonight. Peace out. Hippies. I've been through a whole lot. Trial, tribulation, but I know God. Satan wanna put me in a bow tie. Pray that the holy water don't go dry. Yeah, yeah. As I look around me, so many motherfuckers wanna tell me, but they don't be gonna never drown me. In front of a dirty double mirror, they fell me, and I love myself.
police And I rock on a corner and a line full of fiend And a bottle full of lean and a model on a scene, yeah These days of frustration keep y'all on tuck and rotation I duck these cold faces, post up fee five four for faces Dreams are reality's peace Blow steam in the face of the beast The sky can fall down, the wind can cry down The strong in me, I still smile I love N-word when I'm listening to rap songs? Talk is cheap, motherfucker! 